Thank you, choir. Beautiful. We walk by faith until that day. Until that day. Let us pray. God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to hear in this hour what you have to say to us so that we might continue to put one foot in front of the other. Even, even, oh God, when we feel lost. For in your grace, we are never truly so. Be with us. Help us to hear. Amen. Do you remember when you put your first uniform on? 1976 in Brookhaven, I found out that uh, uh, Mr. King was going to be my baseball coach, my t-ball coach. And uh, I remember the, the uniforms were a little bit late. And so he himself had to come by at the last minute before our first game. And he dropped off my very first uniform. It was red. It had on the front chest, Bruce. And it had a B. I probably thought it was B was for Bruce too, but it was for Brookhaven. And uh, we were going to, we were going to play that next day. And I, I had my baseball pants. And uh, as soon as he, as soon as he left, I rushed to my room and put the pants on, had those leggings. You remember those leggings? And back in my day, you would put, you would sew elastic on those leggings because you just couldn't pull them up high enough, you know. And I looked in the mirror with my uniform on and my glove in my hand and said, I'm, I'm going to be a future All-American. I, I just know, I just know this. And I can't wait to show them. I had seen my two older sisters play softball and I was earlier than me and I just, I just could not wait. And then it rained, and then it rained, and then it rained. My mom told me I had that baseball uniform on for about four days. I slept in it, right? It's because there's something about getting in the game and playing and being a part of something bigger than yourself that's, even as a child, I understood that there was something bigger. And then later on, I can remember at Exchange Club Park, that umpire put that ball on that tee ball. And I remember, I remember John Neums up in the stands yelling, let's go, Brucey boy, let's go, Bruce. And people yelling for me. And I kicked that mud off those shoes and, and, uh, and I got up there. And uh, I think I hit the tee under the ball a couple times and I got it right and got on base and um, there's, there's nothing quite like participating and getting in the game. We can watch it, and I do more watching now than I play some of those games that I used to play, but there's, there's nothing about it. There's nothing about it. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you're on the team. Giving you a uniform. And now it's time to play. For 11 chapters in the book of Hebrews, it's all about what God's been doing. God's given us a mediator. God's given us grace. We cannot fail in God's presence. And now all of a sudden in, in chapter 11, it's like the coach is giving us a uniform and throwing us the ball. And, and now it's time to respond. Now it's time to get in, in the game. 
And so we hear about Jesus being a reflection of God's glory, exact imprint of God's very being. And we hear about these cloud of witnesses, these, these people who were in the stands who maybe have gone before us, who were rooting us on. And if you listen carefully, you even heard that they're depending on us, the people that have gone before you and before me, to finish the race, to finish the race. I don't know if anybody here, I bet a few of you have run a marathon. Have you ever run a marathon? I will never run that far unless something life-threatening is chasing me. But I know some of you have done it. And when I, when I run into somebody who's going to put in the months to do it and I ask them, well, how did it go? They never say, I won or I lost. You know what they said? I finished. I ran. I finished. I had to stop a couple times. I almost quit. I got real sick, but I found my second wind, and I finished. I finished. This sermon, we don't know who wrote it, and we really don't know the first people who read it. But what is the problem in Hebrews if you read the whole thing, and it's this, just what I told the kids. People are just tired. They're just worn out. It isn't that the church is going in the wrong direction. It's that the church in the first century was going in no direction at all. Forces without, forces within. The newness of the new uniforms wore off. And then all of a sudden, nobody's doing anything and everybody is retreating. They were tired of meeting regularly. They were tired of being made fun of and sticking out in their community because they believed in grace and love more than people around them. They might have been tired of the potlucks, I don't know, passing the hat, putting up with each other, right? I always love it when people say, look, you know, I don't, I'm not a part of organized religion. You know, I find God in a sunset, which is, I do too, you know. In fact, Anybody can see God in a sunset. What's, what's more hard is what's harder is finding God in, with a group of people who are just as annoying as I am. You know, that's, that's when you get trained to see God in the messiness of being on the team, of coming out when it's done raining and doing something and exercising my gifts. They were weary and they were ready to toss in the towel and I know that's got to sound familiar to you. Sounds familiar to me. You wouldn't believe this, but they were even tired of Jesus. If you really read in Hebrews, if you're paying attention to what this preacher is preaching, they were tired of Jesus. Hey, why don't we pick some bright angel to lead us to the promised land? I'm getting tired of this victim, Jesus. Can't we, can't we be winners, you know? How about we... Just maybe go back to trying as hard as we can to obey the rules. And, and maybe we can earn our way. Maybe we should do that. Maybe, maybe we go back to the familiar. Maybe we cut corners, find something easier and more conducive in our very busy schedule. Perhaps we just go along to get along. Does that ring a bell? And this is the writer's plea. Jesus is superior than angels. And Moses, he's the high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And he's the perfect sacrifice of all time. Sermon shifts away from God's 
promises to the vital role of the human response of faith. And that's up to you and to me. It's one thing to put on the uniform. It's another thing to run out on that field and start to do what Jesus is calling us to do. It's time to get the uniform dirty at work, at home, in the community, at church. Because you are the church. It's really not something we go to. It's something that we are. You're the hands and feet of the church. If not my hands, if not my feet, then how's God going to get the job done? God is looking for us. Earlier on, it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It says indeed by faith our ancestors received approval. And then it just goes right off to the all these people, all, all these pictures of people, you know, uh, who had, who've run the race and who even suffered mightily or did great things. Uh, Marshall Ramsey uh, just tweeted something I loved. He said, you know, I like self-help books. They're okay, he said. But I'm a historian. I love reading about these World War II heroes who went through all this stuff because When you read about actual people who went through pain and suffering and heartache, it does something to you. He said a little shorter than that, but you get the message, right? And I I love self-help books too, but it does something to me when I know a name and a face. And this preacher of Hebrews is saying, "Look, look at all these people. Now, who's your pioneer? I mean, who do you think of? Friend, family, Someone who you served with in some capacity. Who do you think of when you think of faith, right? Now, I'm not talking about that sort of cheap faith that says, well, I know all the right answers. Faith is not knowing all the right answers. Faith is taking a step in the dark when you're not sure where that step's going to take you. Faith, like Abraham and Sarah, is taking a trip under the stars, getting their faith out of the box and under the stars and moving in the direction without a map. You see, the opposite of faith is not uncertainty. I mean, the opposite of faith is perhaps apathy or nothingness, right? Or unresponsiveness. Faith has wings. Faith has hope. And when the writer of Hebrews is calling us to look back, the Hebrews guys say, okay, you know, you see what God has already done. Now live fully in the presence, knowing that God's going to split the waters. God is going to get you through whatever heartache, through whatever trouble. God's going to get you to the other side. Just walk like you believe it's true, even when you're not certain or sure that it is. With faith, we work in God, with God in ways that make things that were not visible come to pass. It's just, you got to walk. There's a direction, there's a future and a hope to our faith. But faith is fragile. It's kind of easy to lose. It's easy to lose our own focus. Faith takes tending and nurturing. It's not brash certainty. And faith has a face. And the preacher of Hebrews takes this weary and tired congregation in the hallway of the church, wherever the pictures are of the old church leaders, of the old preachers, going down the line. I I think about St. Luke's and the fact that I'm jumping into a stream that's been moving since 1908 right here. What a rich history 
that we have here. We've got example after example after example of people in season and out of season who showed up in their uniform ready to get it dirty, ready to take some risks. And all we have to do is let that current take us. Let the current take us. Faith doesn't mean certainty. Assurance doesn't constitute certainty. Some people think if they read enough of the Bible, if they pray enough, or if they come to church enough, they'll find the answers or they'll find certainty. I don't buy it. What we get from the Bible is not answers, but wisdom, which is even better. We're we're never going to know all the answers. That wouldn't be faith. But we can know wisdom and what it means to walk in faith. When we pray, it's not some magic eight ball that we're looking for You know, the right answer, right? When we pray, we get something better than answers. We get presence. God saying, I am with you. What we get when we gather for worship is not some formula that dispels doubt. We get something better. We get to share our love with each other. I get to come here and not only hear your stories of triumph, but your stories of heartache where you just simply endured. And if you can tell me that, and if I can listen to you, then maybe I can endure as well. That's the faith of our fathers and our mothers. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unresponsiveness is. Put on that uniform. Get it dirty. If if you're not always certain about where you're going, you're in great company. There's a whole cloud of witnesses that did it before you. But you and I, we've got this moment in time where we're that one link, where we're, we're, we're linking up with the story that goes way before us, even before St. Luke's centuries back, and one that may go centuries forward. You're that link. The baton is in your hands. The glove is in your hands. What are you going to do with it? It's not about winning or losing. What's it about? Enduring. Success is not our goal. You know what it is? Faithfulness. Finish the race. Finish the race. There are milestones. There are signs that you're on the right road. Sometimes we lose our way on the path because we're human. And that's okay. But if somebody grabs your arm in the most inconvenient time and spills their heart out to you, then you're on the right road. Something's going on. If you find yourself in a very uncomfortable place serving someone else who's not at all like you, chances are you're on the right road. If you're at a food line bagging groceries, or maybe you stop and notice someone who's visibly disturbed and you just give them a little time, maybe you're on the right road on this dark road. From time to time, faith will lead you out of your comfort zone. The beginning of life in Jesus Christ starts outside our comfort zone. And that is really hard for me because I like being comfortable. Does anybody else like being comfortable? It's really hard sometimes, that inertia. But that's what God is trying to do. We don't walk in total darkness. The glass is dark, but we see something. The path is mercy, kindness, forgiveness, service to others. This is the path we walk. And this is a conspicuous path in the world because you know compassion and mercy is way out of style in most places that we go. People will take notice of you if you're patient, if your direction at work, at home, in the community, if 
if you stick it out, if you stick it out, you're going to look funny because what passes as normal these days is arrogance, violence, entrenchment, and tribalism. And that is not who we are in Jesus Christ. When you walk past the foxholes of this life with more trust in God's love than your fear for the world, you're going in the right direction. Keep walking. You're cutting in another direction. You may not exactly know where you end up, but it's, it's about the direction. Because the destination is God's business. When you have faith, you always have key to the second home. A great city that Abraham and Sarah were going. Right before this text, you can read, they were the first couple, the first couple. And, and they were going and they had no idea where they were going. And they lived in tents. And they lived in tents, no permanent home. Because they, they believed that there was something better waiting. And that's you and that's me. Getting the faith out of the box. Anybody like tent camping? Anybody? I'm okay with it. Good. Okay, Vicky, great. Good. I, I like it all right. No, but I like, my, I like my comfort, you know, for a little bit of time. But do y'all remember what it was like to sleep under the stars, see your first shooting star? Or on a very clear night to see what's going on? Right now, that, whatever that new thing is out in outer space, I'm getting all these amazing new pictures of the solar system and of the galaxy and Andromeda and all this crazy stuff. And... I think to myself, you know, we sleep under the same sky that Abraham and Sarah slept on, under. And they weren't perfect. and They made a whole bunch of mistakes just like you and me. But they never stopped going forward. And they were willing to sleep in tents. You've got a second set of keys to a greater home. And really all we have to do is, is sort of to act like it, right? To live into that. That this is not all there is in this world. We will not get swept up into cynicism or negativity. No. We will dive into the pain of others and continue to focus on the horizon of God's love and God's grace. And finally, if none of that convinces you, I'm the preacher to Hebrews, remember this. We have a pioneer and perfecter of our faith who marched all the way to the cross for you and for me, who endured all manner of suffering so that you and I might live abundantly and eternally. The only sacrifice we need now is not trying to measure up to some standard. It's just to make the sacrifice of love. Loving the other suffices. It's the very key that we know and believe that there's a homeland that we can't see yet, that we may not even be certain of, that is waiting. Jesus has, has the keys to the kingdom. Now, I did mention this, and I'm going to wrap up, but I did I, I, I mentioned that we don't know who read it, but I bet the writer read it. So we do know one person who read it. And we know that. Um, and maybe the writer of Hebrews, this preacher, needed to hear this sermon more than other people. I find that the most inspirational people in the world, the people that really encourage me, the people who truly grow my faith, right, and push me, they were talking to themselves all along. I think back to the most amazing people in my life when they were giving me advice, and I see faces like this writer of Hebrews, the people trying to cheer me up, to get me back on track, it was almost as if 
They were talking to themselves. I could feel them talking to themselves. And I want to remind you that you're a preacher too. The best sermon is not the one that happens on Sunday mornings. It's the one that you preach in between worship. You're a preacher. Next time, pay attention to the hope that you share with others. See if the very sermon you're preaching to others was, was meant for your ears too. So just concentrate in the direction. Remember that faith gives you a second set of keys to something greater. And listen to what you say as you encourage others. It's the sermon you may most need to hear. What an invitation by Jesus. It's like we're all that seven-year-old kid sitting in that bottom stair waiting for the rain to stop with your glove and your brand new uniform. Don't let a little rain keep you out of the game. Run the race. Stay on the journey and keep that uniform on. Let us pray. Oh God, help us not to worry so much about winning and losing. Help us to endure. Even when we're discouraged and tired, help us to remember that the Jesus path is one that may go down for a time, but always comes back up. May we, oh God, get our uniforms dirty for you in this game of life. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I invite us now.